fun. If you're taking notes, the title is Plugged Into the Power. Mark chapter 16, verse 15, gives us a glimpse, at the, or it gives us the Great Commission. Because God has amazing things for you. God made you on purpose with a purpose. And we, we find in Mark 15, 16, 15, he says, Go into all the world, proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever does not will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands. And if they eat any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. I'm like, okay, this sounds awesome. These are people that are changing the world. They are introducing people to Jesus. And drawing them to, they're praying for the sick, and, and God is moving. And he goes and says in Ephesians 2.10, We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Who thinks those sound great? Those sound awesome. I don't know if you've realized this, but sounding great and doing something aren't the same. How many of you ever had a really good idea, and then it turned out to be a lot harder than you thought? Um, I had... One of said moments. A couple of years ago, I did a lot of. Anyone ever water ski? Anyone water ski? Okay, two skis, one ski, no skis. Okay, so this is what you do. Uh, if you're starting skiing, you use two skis, and it's pretty cool. Once you get two skis down, you go down to one ski. It is way more fun. It's like the difference between driving a semi and driving a crotch rocket. Like, in the semi, you're like, look, I'm going to turn. Yeah, this is cool. It's big. You get on the crotch track, you're like, I think I want to go that way. Wahoo! And you fly. So that's, that's when you get on, on the one ski. Lots of fun. And I like that. Um, but if you decide you want to push it a little bit further, you can barefoot ski. And you go, what does that mean? That means the boat has to go fast enough that the water becomes so hard that your feet are big enough for you to ski on, that you can stand on the water. And for me, that speed's around 38 to 40 miles an hour. Um, and so I started doing this, and, and I got into it. I'm like, this is awesome. And I got on this website. This website had how-to barefoot tricks. I'm like, this is going to be great. And so in it, I, I found this little video clip of someone doing something like this. Can you roll that first video clip? I saw this, and I'm like, this is awesome. And you don't even have to be able to do a full flip. Like in order to land this, you don't actually want to land on your feet when you're barefoot skiing because your feet are very little. And if you do a full flip, land on your feet, your feet will punch through the water and that's bad. So what you're actually wanting to do is land on your back and hit up onto your feet. So you're rolling up onto your back onto your feet. I'm like, Dude, it's like a high-speed somersault, as if I can't do that. This will be easy. And so like, you read the instructions, and you're like, yeah. So as you go, you're going to push off, give it a little yank, and over you should go. I'm like, got this. And so we were on Lake Misaki, which we drove by this morning. I was pointing out to my boys and having memories of, of crashing. And uh, so I get, I get up there, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I jump and give this little pull, and I didn't do a flip. I think I did about 10. I just went crashing over and realized that that was a lot harder to do than what this little comment in this little video did. And then on that same website, I found another trick um, called a dock start, um, which is instead of like starting, I guess when I originally learned, I learned on a kneeboard. So I'd get up on a kneeboard and then put my feet in front of me and then get out in the right spot, put my feet in the water. They'd take the boat from about 22 miles an hour up to 40. And as the water got hard enough, I'd stand up. And then I learned how to lay in the water and put my feet over the rope and then just tell the boat to go. And then you'd 
get up. Well, then I saw that this. Can you show next? No, I can actually do the trick that he fell doing, but the, the dock start, I was like, ah, this ain't too bad. So all you got to do, it's like take three coils of the rope and you want to get, you know, this, back up this far, let the boat, put it, tell them to put it in gear. When the rope becomes tight, minus the coils that are in your hand, tell them to hit it, throw the coils up in the air, run, jump off the dock, put your feet over the rope, land on your back, take off, sit, you know, sit up, put your feet in the water, stand up. I'm like, oh yeah, easy peasy. They've been squeezy. Let's rock this out. And so... I get dad in the boat again. I'm like, all right, dad, this is what we're going to do. You're going to put it in gear. When I say go, you're going to hit it. This is how it's going to look. I'm like, sweet. I'm all excited. And uh, I got my coils in the rope. The rope comes tied. I tell dad to go, and he takes off, throw the coils up in the air. I jump out, throw my feet over the rope. But what's supposed to happen is the water is like this. Or, hey, I have this. Okay, this is the water, and you're supposed to land on it like this. Supposed to. I landed on it like this. So... When you're landing on the water like this, you skid across the water rather nicely. When you land like this, you plow. It's kind of the same way you plow things. And so um, as as I'm in like this, and you wrapped your feet over the rope. So I'm holding onto a handle that's about yay wide right here. And it's supposed to be going right underneath my heel. But instead of being like this... I'm tipped up and plowing. Now, as the boat's building speed, and we've got a rather powerful boat to achieve such things, um, it, it's pulling, and it's trying to rip the handle out of my hands or just plow all this water. Well, as, as we're going, and instead of popping up on top like is supposed to happen, I am plowing. Eventually, it ripped the handle from my hands. But the, the, the handle's yay wide. And so it hit my, I want to say it hit my left thigh first and like planted in my thigh. It ripped a hole in my barefoot suit and left a bruise about like this. The other side of the handle hit my other leg and it ripped my barefoot suit from here to here and left a bruise that was about like that. Um, as it ripped through, it ripped out of my hands through my, my barefoot suit and off between my legs and it hurt so that, that was the last time I tried that trick. Um, like, that one ain't worth it. And uh, it, it, it hurts so bad. And, and, and I learned this, that just because something may be possible, just because it may be a good idea, it may sound awesome, it may be harder than it sounds. And as I was beginning to, to look at this, I'm like, you know, well, God has so many great things for me, but seems to be a little bit harder than it sounds. And I looked in the Bible at some of the different people that God used. And discovered that this is actually common. In fact, he chose Gideon. How many of you guys have heard of Gideon? Okay. And those of you guys, there's several of you guys who are like, get, get, get who? Um, Gideon's the guy's name. You can find his story in Judges chapter 6 and the following few chapters. I'm going to tell bits and pieces of his story. If you want the whole thing, you are welcome to go and read it. If you don't have a Bible, um, version. Um, can be downloaded on any of your smart devices. Or you can actually look them up online and use their website or Bible Hub or BibleGateway.com. Um, but... So Gideon is threshing wheat in a wine press. And for most of you guys, that means wah, 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 wah. Um, the equivalent of sun tanning in your basement. Not because you have a nice tanner, but because you're afraid. And you're like, well, that little window does let in some sun. And that's what tans you. So I'm going to lay here. Um, because the, the threshing of the wheat, you want to do in an area where the breeze comes through and blows away the chaff. And he's doing it inside of a cement enclosure because he's afraid and he's hiding this angel shows up and goes, 
hey, mighty man of valor. He's like, where, where? I don't see anybody. And, and he's freaking out. And as God begins to challenge him and go, all right, I'm going to use you and we're going to deliver God's people. He looks and he's like, hey, and this is Judges 6, 15. Um, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my father's house. He just goes and through and says like, hey, look, I am the biggest, I am from the clan that's the weakest, from the family that's the weakest in that clan and I am the weakest in that family. I am the loser of the land. Like, there is no other beside me. I am the loser. And this is what shocked me. I expected God to be very loving and encouraging and to be like, it's okay, Gideon, you're not a loser. You're actually really strong and I gave you great gifts for you to use. Like that's kind of like would be my initial response if someone came up to me and was like, I'm this loser, I'm the greatest loser in the land. And, uh, and you could actually take and you can look at this, the verses later on in chapter, I think it's eight, and discover that how he saw himself wasn't entirely accurate. But God doesn't argue his point. He's sitting there, I'm a loser. And God goes, it's okay. I'll be with you. And all of a sudden I begin to get something that the reason God didn't go, you know what, Gideon, you think you're a loser, but you're actually awesome. And you have this in you. And I put this in you. And you just see yourself wrong. God goes, it's not about you. It doesn't matter what you have or don't have. It's about what I have. And you may be the largest loser in the land. You may be really cool. But I'm the strongest in the universe. I'll be with you. And so as I begin to to read through this this story, he goes on and he's got this massive army. I'm skipping some really cool and fun stuff if you want to read it yourself. But there's an army that's coming against him with 135,000 men which is a large army, which you really don't want to go and fight. And so he gathers all the troops that he can gather, and he gathers 32,000 men. Okay, that means that they're outnumbered four and a half to one, uh, or 4.2 to one, which is not very good odds. Um, But it's not the world's worst odds. So God looks at him and goes, hey, Gideon, you have too many men. And this is the point where you think you just go back to God. God, you have really bad math. 32,135,000. There's a whole 100,000 before the numbers that we have in common. Like, this is bad. And and God answers him in verse, chapter 7, verse 4. No, sorry, 7, verse 2. The people with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into your hand, lest Israel boast over me, saying, my own hand has saved me. Now, therefore, proclaim in the ears of the people saying, whoever is fearful and trembling, let him return home and hurry away. And Gideon's like, really? No, not you. And everybody else. And so as he makes this proclamation, 22,000 people get up and walk away. How would you feel if you're like, all right, I'm going to lead this army against an army of 135,000 people. We are outnumbered, you know, four, over four to one. But all right, we got this. We're going to trust in God. And God's like, all right. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, crud. 22,000 people. The majority of his army leave, but that leaves him with 10,000 people. They are now outnumbered 13 and a half to one. That's worse. And then he goes through and God's like, no, no, you still got too many people. You're like, God, what are you doing? And God goes, okay, 
Everybody who drinks this way, send home. Everybody who drinks like this, keep. They go do that. He gets to keep 300 men. And, and you're like, okay, that, that's bad. Do you realize that, that means that our odds are now 450 to 1? And, and God goes, great, now I am ready to deliver them into your hand. And I read that, I'm like, that's weird. And I begin to get what God's going. It's because I want you to understand I need you to obey, but it's never about what you have. It's about who I am and what I have, and I want you to have to rely on me because my plan for you is bigger than you can do without me because I never made you to do it without me. And they fought against this army of 135,000, and they won because God is bigger and they had to rely on him. And I'm like, okay, this is, this is kind of weird. This is kind of crazy. But as I begin to look in the Bible, it's not the only spot where God does stuff like this. In fact, in the New Testament, there's this guy named Paul who actually wrote most of the books of the New Testament. And Paul says in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, he was praying and he records this prayer. And, and God says to Paul, as he's complaining about things, he says, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. I read that, I'm like, that's crazy. Who boasts about being weak? You boast about winning. Like, so I'm looking, I'm like, this is backwards. And Paul responds, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. He goes, when I acknowledge that I do not have what it takes and I trust in God, that's when I see God do what I could never do. And begin to catch this. That God doesn't call you because you have everything it takes. God equips you because he called you. God doesn't call the equipped, he equips the called. See, in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, he says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. He goes, I am going to give you the power when you receive the Holy Spirit, to walk out the plans that I have for you. Because without me, the plans that I have for you are too much. See, God has great things in store. He has a plan and a purpose for you. I like things that um, have blades and things that shoot. I like those two. Okay, so for those of you guys who don't know what this is, it's called a saw. This one's actually a sawzaw or a reciprocating saw. It has a function. Do you know what the function of this is? Cut things. Someone's brilliant. Yes. Okay. Saws are made for cutting things. So now um, I have a board because I probably shouldn't cut apart things um, in here that are supposed to stay in here. So I'm going to use David not to be cut, but to stand on the board to hold it still. Now, so if I take this saw Okay. Now, if I did this long enough, Theoretically, I could get through the board. But would it be classified as a good idea? No. Why not? Someone's like, use the power. It's not plugged in. <laughs> They're coming up with creative names for me. Okay, um, correct. <clears throat> this has a purpose. But in order to make it do all that it's meant to do, I like power tools. Um, so... <clears throat> once I plug it in, this one's got power. This is a nice one. All right. 
Um, it goes a lot faster. Why? Because in order for it to fulfill its function, its created purpose, it has to be plugged into the power. Thank you, David. In order for you to fulfill your God-given purpose, you need to be plugged into the power. Because if you try to fulfill the Great Commission, if you try to fulfill all that God has for you, if you try to fulfill what your purpose is, that saw was made to cut. But without being connected to the power, sure, you can kind of get along, but you can never experience all that God has for you without him. You can't, and you aren't meant to, because God wants to fill you. In, in Colossians chapter 1, verse 29, it says, For this I toil, struggling with all his energy, that he powerfully works within me. How do I struggle with his energy? That, that, that like sounds backwards, but he goes, you can sit there struggling with your strength, or you can plug into the power and let my power flow through you and let that be what powers you. And as I begin to see this, I begin to look at it and look for the examples of it. And I saw Peter, who's one of the apostles, one of Jesus' disciples in the New Testament. And he's been following Jesus around for years. He says, Jesus, I love you, man. I would die for you. I would be there. There's no way that I would ever turn my back on you. No matter what the cost, I'm here for you. And then like two chapters, or not even two chapters, I think it's just a few verses later, we find Jesus gets um, betrayed and we find Peter has a little girl walk up to him and is like, you're a follower of Jesus. He's like, no, no, no. I don't even know what you're talking about. I don't even know who the guy is. And he like totally denies Jesus three times. And, and you, you, you find this and then you look just a little while later and you find Jesus takes off. These guys get filled with the Holy Spirit. They get filled with this power. They get plugged in. And afterwards, he stands up in front of thousands of people and goes, hey guys, I follow Jesus, the Jesus that you betrayed, the Jesus that you deny. And he just begins to preach to them with this boldness. And you're like, what on earth just happened? Captain Chicken over here now is proclaiming things in front of thousands of people. And you're like, what, what just made the difference in this man's life? And it was that he began to receive the power of the Holy Spirit. And we find that this power is the power that Jesus walked in. If you look in Acts chapter 10, verse 38, it said, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, and he went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil. See, when Jesus went around on earth, we read all these cool stories of him um, walking on water, we find stories of him raising the dead, praying for the sick, seeing them healed. And we see all these things, we're like, this is awesome. I wish I could have walked around with Jesus and seen it when someone who had an issue for 12 years just walks up and touches the hem of his garment and they're healed. If I could have been there when he goes and interrupts a funeral while there's a funeral procession going on, grabs the dead guy and lifts him out of the casket and the guy walks home. And you're like, there's so many of these stories and you're like, I would love to have been there when he did this. And we think of this as this so far removed, but it says that he did things as the, under the power of the Holy Spirit. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 7, it says that he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And what this means is that God, Jesus didn't come down and go, check this out, I'm Jesus, I am God in the flesh. Woohoo! God power, boom, and do cool things. There was no miracles... Because he's like, check this out. I'm God. 
boom. He said, he went about anointed with the Holy Spirit and power. And then he goes and he, Jesus says in John chapter 14, verse 12, that those who follow and believe in him will do the things that he did in greater things. You go, how am I going to do greater things than him? Because we have the same power available to us. He goes, the power that I plugged into, the power that was flowing through me, I'm going to send to you that you can plug in. He says in Acts chapter one, verse eight, that when you receive this, he, he says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you and you'll be my witnesses. He goes through that this is going to be power that fills us. He says, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And he says that this promise is for us. You receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you, for your children, and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. He says, this promise is for every believer. He goes, I want every believer plugged into the power so that they can see my will done. In, in Luke chapter 11, he says, I say to you, ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds and to him who knocks, it will be opened. And he ends this, this passage letting us know what the whole topic actually was about. And he says, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? He says, I want to give the Holy Spirit to any and all who ask. Because I want you filled with power. I want God's power flowing through you. And you go, well, why? So that we can be bold and proclaim his name. So that we can be witnesses. So that we can pray for the sick and see them healed and set free. So that we can walk out God's plans for us. In Acts chapter 4, it's not in my notes, so don't worry about it. Um, he, we see this group of people that are terrified because there are some things going on that aren't, that aren't good, and they're, they're afraid, and they go, God, we, fill us with boldness that we can proclaim your works. And it says the place where they were at were shaken. They were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they went out and proclaimed, his, uh, proclaimed the gospel boldly. Because when the Holy Spirit came upon them, it gave them boldness. It gave them power to walk out God's plan. God wants to fill you with his Holy Spirit so that you are empowered to be his witnesses, to stand up in your schools, to let your light shine in your family, to strengthen you, to lead, to guide, to charge you. And if you haven't received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I want to give you a chance. I want to give you a chance to be connected to the power that, that Jesus walked in. And there's, there's so much, there, there's like a very long series on all that the Holy Spirit comes to do and would like to do in our lives. But I want to give you a chance not to mark off a badge and say, you know what? Yay, look at this. I've accomplished something as a believer. Yay. But to be connected to power so that you can live different, so that you can step out boldly and see God's will done in your life, God's will done in your school. Can the band go ahead and come on up? But before I give you a chance to be filled with the Holy Spirit, I want to make sure you've all had a chance to make Jesus your Lord. Because the Bible lets us know that it's for every believer. 
And if you say, you know what, I've never made Jesus the Lord of my life, I want to give you a chance to make him the Lord of your life before we pray for those that want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Can everyone bow your heads and close your eyes? If you say, today I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I want to begin to follow him. I want him to come in and to wash away my sins. I want to know that I'm right with God and I'm on my way to heaven. Then I'm going to count to three and I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. And we're going to declare him to be Lord and we're going to receive his forgiveness. One, get ready. Two, three, raise up your hands. Nice and nice, that's me. I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I want to know that I'm right with God and I'm on my way to heaven. Awesome. Everybody's already, no, another hand over here. Who else? All right, we're going to say a simple prayer. We're going to declare God to be Lord. So whether you raised your hand or you've already done that, go ahead and join me as we pray and we declare God to be Lord. Say, God, I'm sorry for the wrong things I've done. I believe that you died and rose again. Thank you for washing my sins away. I want to live for you every day. I make you the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. All right, as, as we talked about the Holy Spirit, now that everybody's ready, you know what? I have not received the gift of the Holy Spirit. I am not plugged into the power that God made available to me. I want to give you a chance to receive that power. So can I, once again, have everyone bow their heads and close their eyes. Say, that's me. I want, I want this power. I want what, what power Jesus flowing through me. Get ready. One, Two, three, go ahead and raise up your hand. So that's me. I want that. All right, I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. Who else is that's me? Another hand over here. All right, can I get everyone to stand up? This is what we're going to do. Uh, we're we're going to say a simple prayer, but I'm going to actually invite those that want to receive the, the gift of the Holy Spirit to come on forward. Um, I'm going to pray for you. The Bible says that, as, that he says that those who ask, receive. <clears throat> and we see an example of, of them everywhere we see it in the Bible. We see him laying hands on them and then receiving the Holy Spirit. We'd see the apostles going out into a different city and they said they would lay their hands on them, they would pray for them, and they would receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Um, we're gonna say a simple prayer um, and we're gonna invite him in. We're gonna ask God and say, God, we're gonna ask him to fill us with his power, with his Holy Spirit. Because he said, when you ask, you receive. So go ahead and just repeat after me. Say, God, fill me with your Holy Spirit. I want everything you have for me. Fill me with your power that I can overflow with your presence and see your will done through me and in me. In Jesus' name, amen be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled. God, we thank you that you be filled. Begin to fill them right now. And it's a simple thing that God promises. But this is is what's fun. There's a lot that we could get into. We can get into the gifts that come with that, but that's a whole series. But this is not a a badge to put on and go, hey, I've gone to church, 
I did this and I did this and I checked this off and I have this cool list of things I've done as a Christian. But this is a life-changing, empowering that comes with the Holy Spirit that's meant to affect how we live, that's meant to fill you with boldness to step out, that's meant to fill you with his power to pray for the sick and to see them healed. This is meant to to edit our life. And And I believe that there's a lot of you guys, most of you, that aren't up here because you've already received this. Some of you guys, it's been a long time. You're like, you know what? I received this at kids camp and I I checked it off. I was like, yeah, I did that. And and I haven't done anything with it since. Um, The band's going to begin, as they they continue to play, we're going to just take a minute uh, or a couple minutes. And I'm going to ask you to turn to somebody next to you and ask them, can I pray for you? Because if we're full of God's power, if we're full of God's life, it's not so that we just look awesome. It's so that his will can be done through us. As we ask somebody, hey, can I pray for you? You're going to pray out because God is flowing through you. Because his Holy Spirit dwells in you. You have been filled with his Holy Spirit and with power to stand up, to be bold, to be a witness, but to also see his will done in and through.